No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where David recalls the agony of his sin and the joy of forgiveness. God instructs us in the way we should go, so we shouldn't be like the mule. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. What makes you happy? Going on vacation? Getting a raise? Buying that thing that you've been saving up for? How about being forgiven? Now, David had experienced sin, deep sin, but he'd also experienced forgiveness. In Psalm 32, he celebrates the joy of forgiveness. Being forgiven of our sins is something we should never take for granted. Psalm 32, the title, a Psalm of David, a contemplation. The Hebrew word translated contemplation here is masculine. This is the first of many masculine psalms. The word has been translated a skillful song, a song of instruction, or a contemplative poem. But the bottom line is that we don't really know what the word means. Psalm 32 is read by Jews at the close of the annual Day of Atonement, which is in the September-October time of the year. On the church calendar, this psalm is read on Ash Wednesday. Psalm 32, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David here is celebrating the blessedness of forgiveness. How happy is the forgiven person? Now, He mentions three different types of sin here. First is transgression. Transgression is meaning to cross over the line. That means that you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. It's like when somebody puts a sign up that says, don't walk on the grass, and you do anyway. That's transgression. Sin is missing the mark. It's falling short of the standard. And iniquity means twisted. It describes what happens to the inner character of a sinner. You become twisted inside or perverse. So we could translate it perversion as well. Now, the beautiful thing is that God is willing to forgive all three of these sins. David says, blessed or how happy is the person to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Impute is an accounting term that means to put it on the account. How blessed is the person to whom God does not charge his sins? In other words, God keeps no record of the wrongs committed. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, God can do that. When we confess our sins, God cancels the debt. And our sins are no longer on heaven's books. Forgive means to remove a burden. Now, under the Old Covenant, this was pictured by the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. The sins of the people would be symbolically placed upon this goat, who would then carry them off into the wilderness. Under the New Covenant, Jesus is our scapegoat. Our sins were placed upon him, and he has carried them off for eternity, so that 
they are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. There's no greater joy and freedom than to know that your sins have been forgiven and the burden of your guilt that you've been carrying around with you has now been completely removed. It is this forgiveness that David joyfully celebrates. Verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of summer. Say law. Pause. Think about that. David knew what he was talking about. His experience was that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then tried to cover his tracks by killing Uriah the Hittite, her husband. And then he kept all of this tucked inside his heart for the next year. But that was one terrible year because when he kept silent, his bones grew old. I don't know what it's like to have bones growing old. I can tell you that as I grow older, there are things that I can't do that I used to do. But it would seem that David was just feeling like an old, old man. Probably physically he was in pain. He was certainly groaning spiritually in his soul over what he knew that he'd done that was wrong. And so for that year, he says that God's hand was heavy upon him. That was the chastening hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord designed to bring David to repentance and surrender. You know, if you're a believer, God does not let you get away with it. Charles Spurgeon said, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. Because God is a loving father. We're told in Hebrews 12, 11 that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So if God's hand is heavy upon you, if you're guilty over something, hey, be thankful because that shows that he loves you. Jesus said, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Now, David said, I acknowledge my sin to you. You know, his guilt was getting the best of him. And ultimately, God sent Nathan, the prophet, to confront David with his sin. And when he did, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. He acknowledged his sin. Of course, Psalm 51 is all about that. We'll get to that. His psalm of repentance. But he didn't hide it anymore. Now, the word confession means to agree with God. It is to stop blaming other people, to stop making excuses for it, and finally say that what God said is sin is sin, and then I'm the guilty one. And God gives to us guilt to bring us to that point. Guilt is to the conscience as pain is to the body, and we dare not ignore it. Just like it, you're wrong and foolish if you ignore pain in your body and think oh well i got pain i'm gonna go ahead and do this anyway well if you do it you might injure yourself the same thing is true with guilt if you ignore 
your guilt, it will be to your own peril. And so instead, when guilt comes and you know that you've done wrong, rather than passing the buck, own it, claim it, say, I'm the one, I did it, it's my bad, Lord, I have sinned against you. And that opens the door to forgiveness. And so David says to everybody, he gives this word of exhortation, the godly should pray to the Lord in a time when he may be found. You know, the idea here is that there is a window of opportunity for us to make things right with God, for us to repent of our sins. Our life is a window of opportunity for us to acknowledge our need for God and and our need for his salvation and to confess that we are sinners. But that door of opportunity closes. And that is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till your vitality is turned to the drought of summer. If you have guilt over something you've done or haven't done, then acknowledge your sin while there's opportunity. David says, if you'll do that, then you'll avoid the flood of great waters. The idea here is that God is going to bring judgment. There will be that day of recompense. But if you acknowledge your sin and ask for forgiveness now, then they won't come near you. God won't need to judge you because you've judged yourself. You are my hiding place, David said. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And here now comes the joy. See, there had been the the groaning in his body. He had tried to hide his sins from everybody, even from God. But now David said, you are my hiding place. Now, David had known something about hiding places. When Saul was trying to kill him, he took refuge in the caves of En Gedi, these hiding places. But now David says, Lord, you're my hiding place. I'm going to hide myself in you. You'll protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. And the songs of deliverance were these songs of forgiveness, the blessedness of forgiveness that David was writing. And now he felt just that joy, that unspeakable, indescribable joy of total forgiveness. Verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. You know, we could say there's another beatitude here, and that is blessed are the teachable. God wants to teach us. He says here, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And there's no better teacher, no better guide. But God requires from us that we are humble enough to be teachable. Now, I heard this story about an equestrian who had such relationships with her horses that the ones that she had ridden a long time, she could just look one way and the horse would go that way or look the other way and the horse would go that way. And and so she related that she would guide them with her eye. And this is really, I believe, what God is saying here. I will guide you with my eye. You don't need to be like the horse or the mule. You don't need to be stubborn. Be in that sort of close relationship with me where you have my eye and I have your eye and you can see where I'm directing you. 
and therefore I will teach you and guide you in this way. Don't be like the horse or mule where you have to be harnessed with bitter bridle. That's not going to be to your benefit. You know, there are those people that are just stubborn. I think of what Samuel said to Saul when Saul disobeyed the Lord and Samuel said, hey, look, Saul rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Don't be like that. Rather be teachable, be in such close proximity with the Lord that you have his eye and he has your eye and he can guide you and prompt you by his Holy Spirit, speak to you by his word and you may follow him. Verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You know, this is the big lie of sin. Satan will tempt you that you'll be happy if you take the bait and you sin, but the truth is that sin brings sadness. There are many sorrows to the wicked. Rather, we can bathe in God's mercy. God's mercy shall surround those who put their trust in him. And so David just gives the exhortation, be glad in the Lord, rejoice you righteous, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. God's forgiveness is certainly something to sing about and shout about. Therefore, may we never take for granted his forgiveness. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where God's sovereignty is demonstrated in creation, in history, and in our lives. Therefore, we always hope in His mercy. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. (laughs) 